everyone is a star child made of stardust and the infinite potential of the universe. This extraordinary fearless something in each of us clamors for freedom from the bonds of fear, conformity, and an ordinary life. Welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot, where practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Dr. Balan A. Durr, here in the sweet spot. Yes, you joined me today. And um, today I'm going to be talking with my guest about something that um, is, is, has been part of my own personal journey, but also something that I know um, that men and women struggle with. And many of you all have heard me talk about before how many years ago when I reconnected to a, 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 an old friend that I grew up with, um, uh, Anthony Williams, and I lovingly call him Master Yoda. And um, he was instrumental in my learning and understanding about men, how they think and move in the world and you know what matters to them, what's important to them. Because I personally, when it came to relationships, was just kind of tired of digging ditches and throwing myself in, as I like to call it. So I wanted to learn as much as I could in order to, one, understand men folk, and two, to, of course, then really to kind of understand myself and my, my own journey, uh, the choices I was making, what, what my blueprint was, although, the, frankly, I didn't even know I had a blueprint, but, but yeah, learning to come to understanding that I had a blueprint and how that was driving my choices in terms of, of relationships. And so, you know, today we're going to talk about how those men-women differences lead us to be so bad at marriage. So today joining me is my guest, Mikhail Harris. Hey, Hello. welcome. How you doing? I, I'm doing I'm doing good. And you know what? I am so glad to have uh the idea shifter, Mikhail Harris. <laughs> yes, I'm honored to be to... here. Definitely honored to be here. <laughs> having this having this conversation. And you know, here's here's the thing. You know, I was um watching your podcast called the Blue Room Podcast. Okay, and uh, it was your sh it was your show that uh, seventy five to eighty percent of women right initiate divorce, and yeah, um, happened to catch the the reel where you were had one of your your guests Deidre was talking about the fact that why is it that men folk can you know accept um, critiques was her word from their manager, you know, I need you to just talk a little louder. I need you to engage more with the customer, et cetera. But when it comes, when it comes to the, when it comes to the wife, then, you know, that that's a problem for, for, for a man. And, okay. and she said, and them saying that, you know, you're not my mother, 
And she's like, of course, no woman wants to hear that I'm not your, that, you know, you're their mother. And, and you say it profoundly. The only reason he calls you his mother is because you're a woman. Really what it's saying is you're not my daddy. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then, and then you went on to say, which was the next whoop, <laughs> which was that a man cannot learn from a woman what he should have learned from his daddy. Yes. I was like, whoop. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so I said, I have got to have Mikhail on here. My 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 spiritual brother and professional colleague for us to have this conversation so you can break this down, right? Unpack it, unwrap it, twist it, whatever we need to do to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, so that the women and the men can get some understanding, right? About each other and um, have some better relationships, right? Because, because, because when it, when it comes to, when it comes to marriages, you know that the, the statistics are pretty are, are pretty bad. But, but what I'm but what I'm gonna do before we get into into that aspect of the statistics, you know, let let me let me share with the audience, you know, the unique wonderfulness and gifts and skill sets that you bring, you know, to to, to the conversation. Um, okay. And 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 so you know, as I said, this is this is Mikhail Harris. He is an LCPC, which is a licensed clinical professional counselor, right? So it's another credentialing for a therapist. And he has 15 years of counseling experience in various settings, such as private practice, acute care, hospitals, and also youth residential programs. He is currently the director, uh, excuse me, he's currently the clinical division director and trauma trainer by profession. He facilitates, you know, weekends to bring healing to men from past traumas. He is a dynamic public speaker, which y'all are about to experience, with a with a message of healing and freedom, and and a relationship and interpersonal skills coach. He is the founder and host of the Blue Room podcast on YouTube, where he provides a space for men to heal and to be seen while challenging them and helping them grow in all areas that matter. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so, so again, you know what, so again, welcome my, my, my spiritual brother, professional colleague, the idea shifter, and let's, let's, let's start the conversation with that um, insightful uh, comment commentary that that you gave to Deirdre's uh, to, to 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 Deirdre's question. Yeah. So what I was basically talking to her about was the the podcast before that was a lot about masculinity and manhood and fatherlessness, and it it, it just kind of went along with it in that there are certain things that men or men should learn from their fathers when they're boys. And now when they become men, it, it's it's hard for them to hear it from a woman because they should have already learned it from their father, meaning that there are certain lessons that a boy should learn from his father. And it's not that they can't learn it from their wives or they can't learn it from their girlfriends. However, if it's a lesson 
that a boy should have learned from another man or their father when they hear it coming from, you know, from a mother, a marriage is set up as a partnership. It is not necessarily set up for teaching. I mean, if we if we if we wanted to be honest about it, it's hard for me to teach my wife something. <laughs> it, it, it's hard for my wife to teach me something. It's not that we don't teach each other, but I think that the teaching in a marriage, some things are better caught than taught. So there are some things that I learned from my wife because I'm married to her. And, and I find out how she feels about things. And I willingly tweak some of the things that I do so that, you know, the marriage can work. It's transactional. It's a relationship. But it's difficult for men to get in a marriage and learn how to be accountable to a woman. Like, like it's, it'll be difficult for a woman to teach a man to be accountable because a man should be taught to be a, accountable by his father. Um, uh, there are certain things a man should learn how to do from a father. And it's different when you hear it from a woman. And not only is it different from you when hearing it from a woman, but it's different when you hear it from your wife, because that's a different type of relationship. Even a man, because she used an example of a man being at work, mm -hmm. a man who is at work, right, that gets correction from a female boss is more likely to listen to the female boss because that relationship gives her the authority. Like she has the authority in that relationship. Okay. So it was easier, easier for him to acquiesce or, or modify who he is or modify his behavior or do what she says because that person is in authority. But when you get into a marriage, that, those lines of authority, especially for a man, they get blurred. So now he doesn't hear it as a partner. He hears it as someone trying to have authority over him. And since he should have learned that from a man, it's just hard for him to hear it from his wife. And I think in particular, because it's his wife. And, and, and let's just be real, how society has been set up. It's a patriarchy society right now. I mean, that's how it always is. So men, men, even though they are raised by women, are still taught that they're supposed to be the man. They're still supposed to be the head of their house. So they go into this marriage with all these preconceived notions about their authority. And this may be the first time that this man has ever been challenged about the issue that this woman is bringing up. Like sometimes these relationships are like mirrors. And when, 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 when a man starts to see himself in that relationship and a woman starts to correct him, sometimes it's just difficult for him to, to listen to that because it's something that his father should have laid a foundation for. And I found that to be particularly difficult for a lot of men. Even when I do marriage counseling, it seems to be an issue a lot of the time. Okay. So, you know, you, you, you said a whole, you said a whole, whole bunch there. And <laughs> I, and so one of the things that you, you said that I wanted you to kind of, you know, um, again, distinguish for me here is when you said some things are better caught than taught. Yeah. <laughs> what do yes. you mean by that way? What, what, what I mean is, is sometimes when a person learns something experientially, it's not like when somebody tells them to correct it. Okay. So, so for instance, if, if, if I want to teach, I run these weekends for men. If I want to teach a man how, if I teach a man, I say, you know what? You're not always in control of your life. There'll be things that happen in your life that you're not in control. So I can tell a man, well, here's how things can happen in life so that you're not in control. And I can say, you know what? I can give a lot of examples, but if I put him in a situation where he doesn't have control, I don't have to teach him what not being in control feels like. 
He'll just know how it feels to not be in control because I put him in a position where he can't control stuff. Meaning that over the course of time, a lot of times we learn things experientially or we learn things by modeling behavior. A lot of the things I learned about being a man, I wasn't taught because my father wasn't there. So I, I got something for, from all the men that I know. I got something from this man over here. I got something from an uncle. I got something from a cousin. I got something from a boss. I got something from a mentor. They never really sat me down and told me how to do it, but I learned how to do it by modeling. So it's something that I caught in the light bulb. You know, it went off. It was just a growth moment for me. And I think sometimes we're trying to teach other people, you know, just like in the classroom, some kids, they learn better in small groups when they actually perform a task versus the ones who can just hear the teacher talk and learn kind of like that. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that I wondered about then was, you know, what you were saying about, um, I'm sorry, I did, I, I, like I said, you know, some of the things you talk about were just, is so rich that um, um, I'm, think, I'm thinking about the, the, obviously the caught versus taught part. And it's, it's the thing that I think too of is, is also a number of years ago, I went to a memorial service and this was a family I had known since my teens and, you know, some of the boys were, were younger than me. And one of the, um, one, you know, one of them, one of the boys said that, um, one of the boys said that he, um, his mom and his aunt had, educational academic success and okay. that you know his his um uh I think his mom had a bachelor's degree his aunt had a a master's degree he said okay. but the the cousin that had transitioned that we're having the memorial service for um he said it wasn't until he saw him go to college that he believed that he could and it was yes. in that moment that I really got that um, that what it means to, in terms of modeling, the significance of that, which yes. is that as a boy, I identify with men as a woman. And obviously we know, you know, how do you learn how to be a woman or mother is from other women. How do you learn how to be a man or father is from other men. Yes. And so, but it was that moment when it really crystallized for me that, um, that if I, if, if someone, if they don't see themselves in the person that they're having to learn from, yes. then they can't learn from them. Yeah. And what he was saying was, is even though I have, a, you know, a couple of females in the family that have academic success because I don't see myself in them, then I can't um, believe that I can do what they did. And, and so I think is, is, does that kind of speak to what it is you were talking about? Yes. It, it, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think the issue and that's, that is the issue that you have to see um, a boy has to see a man performing that stuff because, you know, part of experiential learning is seeing that it actually works. 
<laughs> so like if you see somebody do something and they get results, you're more likely to perform that behavior because it's somebody you respect, you see yourself in them and you get results. But the issue that was compounded when Deidre made that comment is that since most men are not in the home, since the fathers are not in the home, they don't have anybody to learn it from. So the first time when someone, I also said in there something about, you know, the first time I learned that I had to be accountable to someone was when I married you. The first time I realized I couldn't money manage money was when I married you. The first time I realized I didn't talk politely to a woman was when I married you because I didn't have any interaction to see a relationship about that, how that dynamic worked. Like I never witnessed it from my father. So getting, so when a woman sits me down and they say, well, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. It almost feels juvenile. Like even if she doesn't make it seem juvenile as a man, something inside of me knows that these are lessons that I should have already learned. So now there's a shame that goes along with it as a man. Now, yes, it's the pride of a man. I'll admit that. But sometimes there can be a shame when you when you have to be taught by somebody that you're supposed to protect, somebody that you're supposed to care for. So you know, you know how it goes when you get married. You're supposed to be the head of your house. You're supposed to love and protect. You're supposed to be provider. Well, when I'm when I'm when I'm in that position, the person I'm covering, it's hard for me to learn that because I should have learned it from my father. Pretty much. Right. So he, so here's the other thing too that I, I learned from um you know my my play dad who I lovingly call Pops, Dr. Reginald okay. Jones. And um and you know, you know, I have a at that point he was a young son. Mm-hmm. And so of course he was talking to me about how and he used much more colorful language, which which I go use here. But he said, he would say how when boys reach a certain age, they're not trying to hear anything that their mother said, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so again, one of the, one of the, you know, other, you know, again, Master Yoda, again, he used some more colorful language to to describe about when that testosterone kicks in again, they're not trying, they're not trying to listen. And Mm -hmm. so for me, again, I, I connect connect this to not only, um, you know, what you were saying about um, what you were saying about the father not being in the home and them not learning from the father. I also connected, I connected to that. And one of the other things too, that I came to understand in terms of the languaging or the understanding of it for me was, I remember seeing this episode where um, they noticed that the, um, on safari, the elephants were attacking the cars more and they didn't know or understand why. And so what, in terms of trying to figure it out, what they discovered was the poachers had killed off so many of the adult bull male elephants that now they're not present to keep the adolescent males in check. And so what was happening was they were attacking more cars, one becoming more aggressive and two, they were also becoming sexually active much earlier because, you know, in the normal order of things, it's the it's the adult male elephants that get access to the females, not the adolescent males. But right. their absence, right? Their absence means they're not keeping them in check in right. both of those areas. So like adolescent boys do, they just running wild. 
Yep, Boys right. gone wild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so, so I'm raising that question to say, is that to, to me, is that also kind of the origin of it? As 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 boys mature, as males mature, they reach that age, of course, where hormones are kicking in, and there's just kind of seemingly natural tendency um, not to respond to a female who who's approached, in my experience, typically a softer, you yeah, know, yeah. than 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 a man's. Number one, in my experience, y'all. Y'all only gonna do so much talking. And that's the other thing I, I learned is when men say women talk too much, it's not, it, to me, it's not always about the, the, the amount that we're talking. It's also that we, we wait too long before we take action. In okay. my experience, you know, a lot of men, they say something one or, t- one or two times in terms of their kids and then they get checked. Right. So, so I'm just wondering what, so what do you think about that in terms of, again, the issue about match, you know, maturation and hormones and how that plays into um, they're not wanting to listen to a woman now that they're a mature male because it was already happening when they were were a young man. Right. I, ironically, I'm very familiar with that. We use actually the, the, the weekends I facilitate, we use that study on the weekend. <laughs> ironically, really? about the bull elephants, yes, we do. And and I think it's it's one thing that in society, well you know I just I went I just want you to know, I called you my spiritual brother and you know <laughs> professional colleague for a reason <laughs> yes and I'm very familiar with that study and, and and you know so the weekends I actually run they're for healing and they're to help men get over trauma but it's actually an initiation weekend because mm-hmm. when you when those bull elephants it's an, an initiation to manhood. Because when those bull elephants, those those male bull elephants, the fathers were removed from the community. Now they have to figure out how to be men. They have to figure out what the rules of engagement are. So they're kind of forced to do man things, but they're actually still boys. So if, if those elephants were in that village, they would see what these elephants do. They would see what the elephants do. And then when the little boy, the little bull elephant steps out of line, that big elephant is going to go, no, 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 no. That's not what men do. This is what we do right here. And just biologically, you know, when you study initiation in men and women, women were very rarely, they were very rarely initiated only because they had menstruation. So that's kind of like it automatically ushers them into womanhood. So the women, you would wrap their arms around and show them women things, right? But with men, there's no biological clock. I mean, obviously there's one ticking, but there's not one where you know, you know what? Today I became a man. Today I became a man. Today I learned this. This is the reason why you had bar mitzvahs and you had the right to passages in a lot of these places. So if a man goes through those stages properly, he learns how to be a man by being welcomed by a community of men. So in, in Aborigine tribes, even in U- European third world countries, and especially in Africa, you had these rites of passages because men had to be taught how to be men by other men. And they were bought into a community of men. So once you're bought, brought into that community of men, you know how to be accountable. You've been tested. You've been challenged. Mm-hmm. And the lines and the boundaries are drawn for you appropriately about how you're supposed to navigate and how you interact with your world. So if we put that in the terms of a marriage, right? When you put that in the terms of a marriage, a lot of the men who get married 
in today's society, I'll say for my generation, we have poor conflict resolution skills. We have poor interpersonal communication skills. There are certain things we did not learn. So we're already going into these marriages with deficits. So women are actually forced <laughs> to teach men things that they should have learned from their fathers. And you know, and you know, you're a psychiatrist, you know, it, there are certain there's certain points in a human being's life where they're more likely to learn things in certain stages than they are if they pass that age of development. And that's the thing that we're trying to teach men boy stuff. So now when she married the man, he's a boy. And if he doesn't grow up and he doesn't find some way to take care of that little boy, if I don't find a man to teach this little boy, or I don't go to therapy to teach this little boy, or I don't get books to teach this little boy, then the wife is forced to raise a man, but he's actually a boy. And it just creates this tension where it's too much on this woman's shoulders because she didn't anticipate she married a boy. She thought she married a man. <laughs> that, that's really the best way that I can put it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know we don't have the skills you know people think that they're men but they're really not men you know that we're really not men when we get married and and the reason i and here's the thing with the reason i said amen is because frankly i think that um you know a, as a woman i don't even understand those things that you just talked about, especially when you're talking about that um, a woman raising a man. And of course, you know, it's too much, but you don't necessarily know why it's too much. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of is the fact that, um, you know, I, I've developed a, because, you know, um, I'm a single parent, you know, been divorced for a number of years, mm -hmm. um, is that to me, it's, it was really important to develop. I call it the, the, the men folk in the village, you right. know, to, to, to help, to help fill in, you know, because, um, you know, because my ex-husband lives in a different state. And okay. so without that regular presence there, as you said, to, you know, to be a teacher, to be a, a, a demonstration of manhood. So then it becomes again, um, you know, I, I think that, and to be clear about this, a woman can teach anyone what it is to be human. I can teach you to have honor and integrity and encourage and yeah. to, and to, to do those things that, um, that I think and that are, that are common to humanity. But again, as a boy, if you don't see yourself in me, then again, you're not necessarily learning from me. And so, you know, one of the one of the difficulties is that um, then I'm struggling trying to teach or or deal with something, and I don't even understand that really the problem because nobody's explained it to me. If you know, if some of the men folk in the village haven't that really the problem is, is that I'm trying to teach something to somebody that they should have learned that they didn't and that they don't want to learn from me as, as a woman, they don't want to learn mm -hmm. from me, uh, you know, as their wife. So, yeah. so I, I think you brilliantly laid, you know, brilliantly laid that out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the re things that's important to, you know, why that is important 
is 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 frankly you know the 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 marital the marital statistics right the the, the divorce rate the divorce rate had been going you know has been going down um yep. but it's still higher than it was in the in the in the 70s right i mean Definitely. you know it's 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 in in 2021 they they're talking about you know almost 700,000 divorces 689,308 divorces yep. um and I guess we would make it 309 if we included Reba. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so, yeah. include your, include yeah. your, include your guests who's, yeah. who's coming, yeah, that was you know? <laughs> so, you know, and, and those statistics, statistics were in what across like 40, 45 states in the U S that were, that were reporting it. And yeah. then as you talked about, you know, depending upon who the who the uh, who did the study, yeah. um, then you got you know say almost seventy percent to eighty percent of the divorces are being initiated um, by, you know, by women. By women, yeah. Right. The American Psychological Association they're saying forty to fifty percent of of first marriages end in divorce, mm-hmm. and then it's sixty to sixty seven percent of marriages of, of excuse me of second marriages that end in divorce and then the divorce rate for third marriages or higher is 73 percent right you might as well not even do it <laughs> <laughs> give it up <laughs> yeah because you ain't because you ain't doing it right right yeah something wrong yeah. <laughs> right absolutely mm-hmm. you know absolutely so i thought um, you know, that, that those were, uh, so this is a really, to me, a really important conversation, you know, to have, because I think a lot of people, um, you know, frankly, if we were just to tell the truth, I I think a lot of us, we don't really know what we're doing, Mm, you know, when it comes to marriage. And I think that we don't understand that some, a lot of that has to do with, um, the, man woman differences i think that it has a lot to do like i said with we we're we're getting a blueprint from our families and we don't even understand it's a blueprint so we don't understand that we're you know we're rebuilding the same you know rebuilding the same structure and so some people guys like i say some people get a blueprint maybe for a three bedroom house some people get a blueprint for you know, a house that's that maybe 4,000 square feet, but some people get a blueprint for an outhouse. <laughs> right. 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 So we get a blueprint mm-hmm. for an outhouse. And, and, you know, I, I think the average person prefers to have indoor plumbing. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so, so learning and understanding that, you know, I can, I got a blueprint um, is this blueprint working for me? Do I want to make, you know, additions, um, you know, do, or do I just want to tear that sucker down and start and start over? Right. And right. I think that we also, it's important to understand that. And I heard, you know, Rob Bell, who actually uh, is, is a, is a pastor a number of years ago say, you know, no relationship can be healthier than the most unhealthy person in the relationship. Right. And, and because it's, 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 um, you know, like being in a, uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, two man race, Mm -hmm. you know, the three legged race, you tie together where you can't go faster than the slowest person is really what that means. That's right. Yeah. So you, 
right? So you can't have a healthier relationship than the most unhealthy person mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the relationship. And something that that you mentioned, which is actually a, a chapter in my book, Heaven Abounds in You, is the, the chapter uh, on relationships. And, um, you know, I, where I say relationships are mirrors and many people don't understand what that means. And so I explain to them simply what that means is the person that you picked is based upon your values and standards. So they're a mirror of you. They're, right. mirror, they're mirror of your values, your standards. You picked them, but they're also, they're, they're also showing up as an opportunity for you to heal some of those wounds. You know, you basically like a movie director. Yeah. And I say people, when they show up to, to audition, you know, you, you get to say you, you, you got the role or you get to say, thank you for coming. We'll be in mm-hmm. touch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so right. they, they in your movie because you cast them in that role. Right. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that, that, that people don't necessarily understand about um, how it is that they're creating these relationships, um, you know, or, or in marriages that are really reflective of their thoughts and their beliefs and their intentions. Um, And um, again, as I said, you know, and their opportunities to, 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 to grow, to develop, to mature, Mm -hmm to heal right yeah yeah they, well, well it's funny you use movies right because there's there certain things called previews right <laughs> so you know you Brilliant. know the thing about a movie preview is that man i'm telling you have you ever watched a, a movie and every single action scene in the movie was in the preview so when you actually watch the movie you go you know what i thought it was more action than this i mean because in the movie preview, they geek you up for the movie. Like you're really, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest movie in the world, greatest movie in the world. And then when you go see the movie, you're like, ah, this this movie is not what I thought it was going to be. And I just believe that relationships work, they work the same way. Because people have a definition of what marriage is, and then there's what marriage is. And these expectations, sometimes we have expectations as human beings. And we just have expectations, but we really don't know what's required to actually fulfill those expectations. So like you can you can have an idea of what a marriage or relationship is going to be like, but you do not know what it takes to create and fulfill that expectation. And the thing about marriage is deceptively and it's just how it's just how life is designed at the beginning of something that's based on love and happiness, better or for worse. Most people anticipate the better. Like they don't plan for the worst. I always say, you. What do I say? You, you, um, you hope for the best, but plan for the worst. That's kind of how I live my life. You know, that's why insurance exists. But the expectations that a person has, going back to your point, they don't know what their expectations are rooted in. So they don't know that they don't know the motivation behind their expectation. They don't know the root of their expectation. They don't know the anchor of that expectation nor do they know the part they play in the expectation actually coming to pass. They don't know, and most of us don't know, men and women alike, they're trying to write the story of their marriage. 
but we don't have the power to write that book. That book kind of writes itself based on the interaction between the two people. So a lot of these marriages fail. It's simply because of expectations. It's simply because the movie did not match the preview. <laughs> like this or preview. Like, wait, wait. Yeah. Or, or, or as I would say, the sizzle reel was a fizzle reel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like you just, you just, and, and, and I think marriage is one of those things that, like, if you, do you ride roller coasters at all? I do. Right. I do. Most, most roller coasters, when you ride them, look scarier than they are when you actually get on. So, like, when you look at them, people who don't ride roller coasters, they imagine it to be something that is not. But when you actually ride that roller coaster, it's like, you know what? This ride was pretty cool. But what happens in relationships is that, you know, you can't see the track. You can't anticipate any, any and everything. And I believe that when people have expectations, they're comparing what their marriage is to what they thought it was going to be. Let me give you one example. This is going to make it so plain. When I first Decided I want to marry my wife. Bless her soul. I love my wife. Great wife. Great mother. You and, know y'all been women, and you all have been married for 15 years. 15 years. But this is my second marriage. Right. So my, my first sizzle reel <laughs> was a fizzle reel, right? So it was this other man that my wife, she didn't use the word love, but she really liked this guy, Right. And she had really liked this guy from afar for a very long time. And she had not been in a lot of relationships with me. And she was very inexperienced, but she really liked this man. So when I came to try to be with her, I just flat out said, you know what, Trina? I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Whatever, whatever. You know how that conversation, I don't need to get into specifics. And she looked me in my eye. This is a true story. And she said, but I think, but I always wanted him. I love him. And she pointed to the guy she's never been with, even though she had been at, in having interactions with me and we had gotten to know each other. What that taught me was people are in love with their fantasy. They're not in touch with their reality, meaning that there's this thing that you imagine to be that just does not exist at all. She not had not had a conversation with the guy. She didn't even know if the guy actually knew whether she liked him or not. But the fantasy she had came up with in her mind about how that relationship would be, what it would look like, how this and this. And I believe we do that with marriage. I believe that we fantasize about what marriage is, but then there's a certain thing that it actually is. And it's like that theory doesn't match the practice. <laughs> so right. and people get lost in that. Right. So, and I think that that, so two things happen and I'm going to kind of jump to the end and then come back, which is, which is one of the reasons why when people divorce, really what they're grieving is the loss of the fantasy. Mm, Because if the marriage was the reality, you wouldn't be getting divorced. That's right. Right. That's right. You're right. right. Really grieving the loss of the fantasy. Now, How how do you how do you get there? To your point is because we don't sit down and have a conversation about what my fantasy is versus your fantasy. That's right. <laughs> you know we don't have a conversation to say this is what I'm thinking, this is what uh, I imagine, 
this is what um this is what I want to achieve, what I want to accomplish. And right. and I'll tell you when it got crystallized for me, actually. Mm-hmm. I saw the um uh the interview of Melinda Gates um actually with Oprah. And okay. she was talking about the at this point, it was talking about the courtship with her and Bill. And, you know, they went away for the weekend. He proposes. And she was talking about them walking down the beach together, discussing their ideas of philanthropy. Mm. And I could see the imagery of that. And I actually connected it to something that God said to me um, many years ago, which was... Um, I was asking about the relationship I was in at the time. And uh, I said, okay, I, I need, I said, I need a sign, you know, a couple <laughs> weeks go by and I still not see nothing. And I'm like, okay, God, I need a sign. You know me, I'm blind. I needed a big bold neon lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I still don't see nothing. I'm sitting there. And then one day I hear him go, he's, God says to me, what are you doing? I was like, huh? <laughs> he said, what right. are you doing? You don't want the same things. You're not going the same place. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. And then shortly thereafter, I was, I, I, I was, I left. But what I didn't understand at that point was that that was the standard that I should be applying to every relationship. Do we want the same things and we go in the same place? Um, subsequently, I think in like 2014, um, there was um, uh, an author and a, and a, and a poet. And um, he said, um, and, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pull this up, but he, he said, life has taught us that love does not, consist of gazing at each other, but of looking together in the same direction. Ooh, that's deep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh is is Antoine de Saint. Okay. Yeah, Antoine de Saint Exupéry is, okay. is who he is. He's is French author. And okay. and and so I put those two together and I was like, okay, I got it. Right. Okay. Um, do you want the same things or you go in the same place? And then with what Melinda Gates said, Again, it gave me another image, an image of that, which was I could literally see her and Bill walking down the beach together and they're talking about their ideas of philanthropy. So again, how are you going to, how, and in terms of a marriage, how, how are you going to get there together if you don't have the same destination and if you're not going together relatively at the same pace? So right. that's how her saying that to me kind of for me helped crystallize that. Do we want okay. the same thing and are we going the same place? Because if not, what are we doing? Right. So so I do think people err because, because of this also. So I got married when I was 25. So now I'm 48. <laughs> so I imagine myself being at a different place than I imagined when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fundamentally the issue that some people have, that they don't really possess the ability to change. Because over the course of time, you know, people grow, people change, people change jobs, people change 
you know, they change what they want. They change what they want as men. They change what they want as women. And I think what we have a hard time doing is being in a relationship and letting people change and evolve into what they are and still being able to make it work. So, for instance, go back to the movie analogy. It's just in my head. Right. So if you have a movie that you're about to pull off and you want that movie to work, you got to have a script. Correct. Mm -hmm. The issue with life is there's no script. See, see, that's the issue with life, that life is improv. <laughs> you know, there's really no script. So when you want to produce this great movie, life presents challenges. It has so many different variables. I mean, you're a psychiatrist, so I imagine you know this about the brain, the body and life. There's so many variables that life throws at you that sometimes the plan you have is not the plan you keep or the destination you were headed to, you kind of modify that destination. And I believe some people don't possess the ability to improvise. Like they don't possess the ability to be flexible. And sometimes there are certain things in marriage that you wanted to have. You wanted it to go this way, but now it's going a different way. And sometimes when we say people grow in different directions, there's a, you know, it, there's a scripture in the Bible said that two can't walk together except they be in an agreement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people use that scripture as an excuse to get divorced. <laughs> you know what I mean? You couldn't find a more North and South couple than me and my wife. They, we have absolutely nothing in common. I'm a wild child. She's super conservative. I love hip hop. She really can't stand it. You know, she likes shrimp. I don't eat seafood. You know, like like there's we don't really have a lot of things in common. But what it has taught me is that when we say we're going to be with somebody, I realize that love is a decision. I'm talking about barring any type of ab abuse or anything. Love is a decision. It's my I believe that she can go accomplish her goal and I can go accomplish mine. But our anchor is the marriage. I kind of feel that way. And people have issues sometimes with, you know, my wife, I remember when my first wife, she actually left me because I was a pastor. And she said, you know what, Mikhail, you are a wonderful man, but you used to be popular. You were wild. You were the life of the party. You're not that guy anymore. I don't want to be a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. She made it really plain, meaning that now, mind you, she knew I was all these things when we got married, but that, but she didn't anticipate that that would happen. And when that happened, she was like, "You know what? I'm gone." And I don't, I'm not even mad at her about it. I mean, it's a decision she needed to make. So I think yes. that some people, going back to what you said, some people have a fantasy in their mind, mm -hmm. and when that marriage doesn't line up with that that fantasy, they're going to get another script because they're trying to write it instead of live it. Right. So here's, but here's the thing too, that I, that I, I'll say that I disagree with you about Okay, you and your wife could not remain married for 15 years. If you all are not the same like-minded about those fundamentals that matter. No fundamental, no fundamental. But, 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 but yes, what I'm saying is, I agree with that. What, what, when one likes shrimp and one doesn't like seafood, that's not a fundamental issue, <laughs> right? Right. Th that that's that's what I mean. What I'm saying, it it those kinds of things I think are 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 less important 
then do we fund are we fundamentally like-minded and also you know where it says when when you know if when god puts together who god puts together let no man put asunder the problem right. is is most marriages god didn't put them together they put themselves together so so you know so then that doesn't quite hold cuz again he didn't put or they let a man put it aside <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying now, I feel you put I them feel together you. so 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 you know and so it's okay to asunder it cuz it wasn't it's because first so place. it wasn't god no way huh right it was god it wasn't god in it anyway so so and the other thing too to your to your point is i i, I try to continue, you know i tell people Love is love, but relationship is entirely different. Meaning, I can love you, but not be in relationship with you. I and agree with that. I can love you, and the relationship not work because because the relationship requires behavior. Yep. Right. It sure. So is it? It doesn't require love, but it does require behavior. Do we do the things that honor each other and yes. that? enable for a relationship to work within between us. I also say to people that, you know, a relationship is an is a negotiation. It is an ongoing negotiation. Yes, yes. And is. and Ooh. and when the negotiations stop, the relationship stop. So, and some people take exception to that because they think it's very business transactional oriented. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's and it's not that, but I'm saying even if it's something as simple as what movie are we gonna go see, that's a negotiation. Yeah. It's just yeah. how long does negotiation take? Where are we gonna live? How many kids mm-hmm. we gonna have? Are we gonna have any? How we raise them? All of that stuff, you know, all of that stuff is is an, is a negotiation. So, um, do you again? Do we have the ability to talk to each other and say this is what I want, this is what I don't want, and 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 it again, it takes courage. Am I willing to tell you the truth about who I am and what what I want? Are you willing to tell me your truth about who you are and what you want? Yeah. And and again, to your point, the growth can be occurring at different rates, but are we able to bridge whatever the differences are enough yeah. to be able to maintain the relationship? Or yeah. does what happen is that the separation of the distance gets so great that yeah, the that the bridge collapses? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like the the you know, and and the, the belief that, like I said, I do keep going back to fantasy because I actually got with my wife because I thought that she possessed the ability to struggle. I really did. Man, I looked at I looked at how she lived and I looked at who she was. So then, now and, the folks are not misinterpreting that. What do you mean by that? I mean struggle. Somebody who understands that. Sometimes, and for better or for worse, things are going to be worse because I believe that like when we get married, we're so like I didn't get married for love. I really did get married for purpose. Like I think I knew exactly why this was supposed to be my wife. She's not the type of woman I dated. She's not the type of woman that I had ever been with from physically all the way to how she thought. I had never been with a woman like that. I had a type and I knew that my type was no longer good. So I didn't marry a type. I actually married something real, at least in my own mind. And when I say the ability to struggle, somebody that will be able to adjust with the ebbs and flows of life, because some people just by nature possess 
the ability to struggle and suffer more than other individuals. Like some people get cancer and they get angry about having cancer and they die spitefully and they're mad at the world. But I had a good friend who passed a couple of years ago. And in the last two weeks of her life, I went, we went to a party. We threw a last party for her. Her name was Renee. And she sat me down and she put both of her hands in my hands and she said, Mikhail, I thank God for this sickness because it's brought me closer to everybody else in my life. I realized that me trying to have my career and chase money and do all of this stuff, I overlooked so many little things that I should be appreciated in life. I'm telling people I love them. I'm embracing people. And I really have found God. I found myself and I found true intimacy with other human beings. And she cried and hugged me. That type of person right there, you know, there are some people who live life like she lived it after she got cancer. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like some people who would appreciate that and be able to go up and down with the ebbs and flows of life. You said it negotiation, like when, when stuff happens, you know, sometimes it's not even negotiating with your spouse. It's negotiating with life because life is making determinations that causes you to renegotiate your own contract, even with yourself. So you have these contracts that you have with the person you're with. And, and it's these contracts you're doing with life where you have to adjust. You have to be flexible. But I do like what you said about the, you know, about the negotiation piece, because I honestly, people ask me, did I love my wife when I got married? And I tell people no. But I but the way I feel about her is I had made a decision that I was committed and the love grew. Like people look strangely at countries where they have arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. Those people know that when they get in these marriages, they, they're making a commitment to grow something that is going to be different on the last day than it is the first day. And I think it's something in, you know, making that decision, choosing to do that difficult work, to do the, do the work where you got to roll your sleeves up and the stuff you don't want to do. Like you said, those intimate conference, those intimate conversations that telling you what I'm telling me, what I, you know, telling you what I want and being bold enough to take a stand for yourself in a relationship and still negotiate is key. I really like that point that you made. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I, I, and and I've come, you know, you and I have also talked about this too, again, that part of the difficulty, whether you enter into any relationship, um, including marriage is seeking happiness. And the fact of the yeah. matter is the, the other person can't make you happy. I, I, what I tell people is this, can I make you be an astronaut? No, then I can't make you happy. I can't. <laughs> make you... you are right. You're right. You know, right. I can't, I can't make you angry. I can't make you this. I can't make you anything. I can't make you feel anything. That's and true. so when it's a, it's an automatic setup because nobody's going to be everything that you want all the time when you want them to be that way, just like the weather, the yes. weather isn't, if I need the weather to be a certain way all the time, I'm going to be unhappy a lot of days. And so yes. I, the point is I need to discover that I get to choose happiness for myself and each and every moment, each and every day, irrespective of other people's behaviors or the circumstances. That's right. So, so you shouldn't enter into marriage to be happy. Um, and, and that's another part of what we were talking about. So when you're picking a partner, I'm not saying that you don't want to be happy. I'm not saying that you don't, that you can't love the person, but understand that they should not be your source. 
And you and I, of course, as two spiritual beings, we know that anytime you make something or someone else the source of your 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 goodness, your wonderfulness, your happiness, your joy, that's called a false idol. Yes, it is. That's called idol worshiping. So (laughs) right. And so no nobody and nothing else can be the source, can be the source of our happiness except the source within us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 so I think we it's it's important to look at marriage and relationship. Is is this a good fit? Right. Yes. I, I yeah. wear a size 11 shoe and I try on lots of shoes and boots. Why? Because every 11 is not a good fit. Not the same. Not, it's not a good fit. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with the shoe. There's nothing necessarily wrong with my foot. It just ain't a good fit. That's right. Now, that being said. Let me try to take my size 11 foot and try to shove it in a nine. That sucker's going to hurt because it ain't you a ain't good fit. You it, ain't it, it ain't a good fit. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, I would say, you know, as we, as we, as, 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 as then we know, we, we get into this, wrapping this up. What are some solutions that you think um, benefit? Um, I think both parties, women in terms of, uh, them understanding and identifying the differences for men, understanding and identifying the difference, and how do we bridge those gaps? Well, I think the first thing, going to your shoe analogy, mm-hmm. you're able to pick the right shoe because you know your size. And I believe that men and women both, sometimes we lack the self-awareness to know what we should be with. Like, like we don't know enough about ourselves to know. So if you already wear a size 11, you're not putting your foot in a, a two. Like you just already know. You know what? And and I've heard women say this. There's some truth in it. Some people are out of your league. Some people you have no business being with. There are some people that you just should not be with. And I think that if we learn more about ourselves before we make commitments and before we get married, then we would know the questions to ask and the things to look for when yes. we actually chose somebody to be with. So you got to know your size because truly one size does not fit all in relationships. No. That would be one solution. Know yourself. Right. And so I think, again, to reiterate, I think that it's important for men to have a, a village of women folk to learn about women. And I think it's important for women to have a village of men folk to learn about men. Yeah. There's a, you know, one of, one of my, um, you know, dear teachers and, and, and mentors, he's, he's, he says of me that my thinking is a, is a hybrid thinking. He says, it's not quite male. It's not quite female. And that's because I've spent a lot of years learning from men and understanding. And so it, it, my thinking is more hybrid. So I think that's important that if you want to learn about men, learn about them from men. If you want to learn about women, learn about them from women, Right. Um, and then, you know, something, something else you said, and it just was also knowing about, knowing about who you are and then what's a good fit. And then, and then you got to be real clear about what's in the benefit package. (laughs) (laughs) You say, you're You're exactly right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You said said that I was like, So you gotta be. I remember that. You remember that. So yeah, yeah, that benefits so, package. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. I, I, I think that again, what we're talking about is, is you know, being clear about who you are, what you want, 
what's a good fit, being willing to communicate those things. And I think that also in terms of, I should be able to say to you, what what I want from you, I should be able to make requests from you and not um, be kind of vilified or made the problem that I'm making a request from you. Yeah. Um, and 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 vice versa. Right. And we negotiate and we negotiate that, I think. And you and I both do therapy with people that yeah. a lot of folks are children or adolescents in mind and emotion and adult bodies. And they need the assistance from a therapist with the tools and skills to help them heal their childhood wounds. And, yes. and so so I, I think it's important that people do individual therapy and, you know, and, and family therapy. Um, we talked, you know, we talked about the communications. Um, and, and the other thing, too, that you said I want to make sure is people need to be they need to be accountable. Right. Yeah. You talk you talked about that. Yeah. Not only not only account not only accountable for me and my needs and my wants, but I'm accountable to the unit when uh, to to the family unit and to the community. Yep. And I mm-hmm. use a um uh, a mobile like the mobile hanging over the baby's bed because mm-hmm. when something I learned from John Bradshaw many years ago, when you touch one part of the mobile, it sets the whole thing in motion. Why? Because yep. it's all connected. So yeah. what I do impacts you and what you do impacts me. And so yep. we need to be accountable to each other and, and yeah. how we're how we're affecting each other. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I just want to thank you, of course, for coming on and, and just having this mar- marvelous conversation to me, with me. And I'm sure we're we going to pick this up again. Um, yeah, we will. And and I, you know what? I, I want you all to check out. The Blue Room. Carol Taylor's The Blue Pod room right the, the blue idea room shifter the <laughs> yeah, idea yeah. shifter right <laughs> yep yep don't worry i'm going to invite you to the blue room you come in whenever you want i'm glad i was honored to be here thank you well well and thank you thank you for the invitation and so folks they can find you uh where in terms of social media and what other platforms it's right here at move your life m-o-v-e-y-o-u-r-l-f on youtube that's where I am. And then I'm Instagram. It's just my name, Mikhail Harris. Facebook, Mikhail Harris, M-I-K-K-A-L-H-A-R-R-I-S. That's it. And you'll see some content that can be edgy at times, but I'm really trying to improve men and challenge men so we can get in these marriages and actually do what we need to do. You know what? I, I just think you just keep it real, right? You keeping it real. Mm-hmm. You making it real, you making it understandable. And some of it is 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 definitely is is thought provoking, it's engaging, some of it is mind-blowing, it's it's gonna it's gonna pull you up, it's gonna lift you up, it's 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 uh it's it's you know, it's it's food for thought and it's food for your soul. Yep. <laughs> so well, thank with, you. I had ab- a good time. Absolutely, <laughs> and 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 same here. Just wonder, wonderful conversation. And so you know, so 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 with that food for thought and food for your soul, uh, I am your host, Dr. Ballin A. Durr, awakening and empowering you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today in the sweet spot. 
Share, follow, and like us on social media. To learn more, please visit balinadurmd.com, spelled B-A-L-I-N-A-D-U-R-R-M-D.com. Join us next week, and remember, when you heal your mind, all things are possible. <laughs>